As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're ready to take your game to the next level, who better to lead the way than our own Luke Bogacki? Check out This Is Bracket Racing Elite today. In addition, today's podcast is presented by Racing RVs. Based near Dayton, Ohio, Racing RVs is your source for quality new or used trucks, motorhomes, and trailers. Whether you're buying, selling, or trading, make Racing RVs your first call. Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your hosts, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki, and the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. Luke, what's up, bud? Enjoying a little time at home. It seems like I haven't done that for, well, I haven't done that for about 10 weeks. <laughs> yeah. Our race season came to a close Sunday at the Million. We will talk a little bit about our weekends a little bit later in the show. But yeah, I'm just at making lists of what seems to be an overwhelming amount of stuff to do over the course of the next several months, I guess, uh, racing-wise and catching up basically for the last two and a half months. Yeah. How about you? Oh, man, same. Just enjoying being back home for a couple of days before I head off to Holly Springs, Mississippi for the SFC. We'll talk about that a little later as well. And got back, obviously, pretty late Sunday night and drew some raffle winners to come to Holly Springs. And then yesterday wrapped up our kickball season. Our tournament, our championship tournament was last night. And we bowed out in the first game to a 
opponent that we have faced a lot. Very familiar with them. Beat them some. They beat us some. We lost two to one. So kickball's done, and I get Mondays freed up now. So I ain't mad about it. It's funny you say that. I was we just got done racing, loading everything up in the rain Sunday evening at Montgomery. Stopped. Had a little dinner in Prattville, just out of the racetrack. Phone pops up. Jared Pennington's live. And I'm like, man, I just heard him on the microphone. I click on it. You're sitting on your couch. Still working. No rest for the weary. <laughs> no rest. I did a little live uh, Facebook live on the way home in the motor home, driving in the rain, which was pretty dumb and dangerous. But had to let everybody know that I was going to draw the raffle, just like I said I would. Just going to take me a little while. And got home, did that, I guess, about 9.30 or so, and got that all wrapped up. So Sunday was a long day. Uh, went to uh, – my inverter's bad on my motorhome, so when I run the generator, I have to plug into it and put a little trickle charger on my battery so it don't kill them. And I do that everywhere I go. Well, I guess my parking spot was ant-friendly at Montgomery, and when I picked my battery charger up Sunday afternoon, the, the ants just fell out of it. It had just been sitting there. They killed it, and, uh, <laughs> and my batteries were dead, and, you know, the rain was happening. Oh, it was quite the fiasco Sunday evening for me. But uh, So you left Montgomery in about as good a mood as you showed up in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I was uh, irritable, as you said, uh, Wednesday evening. It's just... It was a challenge. I, I'm just just too busy right now, Luke. But things are going to start calming down for me. Yeah, that's what I've been saying for a few weeks. I can see light at the end of the tunnel. So, yeah. as usual, big show. We will talk briefly about results from the NHRA Division Three event in St. Louis, the IHRA Summit Super Series World Championship runoffs, the Cow Pasture Nationals in Oklahoma, and of course, the bulk of this show will be dedicated to the Mickey Thompson Million. We'll weigh in on some subjects that uh, are on our mind following the million, some of the things that we uh, saw, heard, watched. Many of you did the same. Unfortunately, we promised it last week. We said we will have the million-dollar race winner on the show. Um, (laughs) We will not have Johnny Zell on the show this week. We'll get into that a little bit later. He has politely declined to join us, which obviously we can respect. Johnny is a, for those of you that don't know him, a very quiet, very humble young man obviously a very talented young man but he said he didn't really have much to say would just assume let his racing speak for itself and obviously it has done that in (laughs) volumes Uh, we'll talk more about johnny as we go i guess jed we'll start as we do every week by presenting our siebert performance who's hot he's on fire it's time for who's hot in sportsman drag racing siebert performance who's hot Siebert Performance is now offering engine and carburetor packages. This week's featured package is the Sportsman Series 383. It's a 500-horsepower pump-gas-ready small block built with reliability and longevity in mind. It's got a new GM block, Rodex heads, MSD billet distributor, and optional Siebert Performance carburetor highlight just some of the features of this engine available as a package. Contact Luke Siebert at 785 285- 286-6813 or check out SiebertPerformance.com. Luke, who's hot? Jed, when we went through this, I don't think we can go anywhere else but the biggest race of the season. Obviously, the million-dollar race was last weekend. There were plenty of great stories and worthy recipients from the million. We could have gone with the obvious, Johnny Ezell, the big winner. We could have gone with Hunter Patton, who put on a show 
with a $25,000 victory. He was down to eight in the million. He had two entries in late on Sunday. It was kind of a toss-up, but we went with Trey Bunner, who also put on a show, Big Jed, uh, over the course of the week. He did, Luke. Uh, Trey started it out on Wednesday in the 64-car shootout, which you qualified for with the Roadster. So 390 cars took a shot in the 64 best packages, which ended up being 65 because of a tie, took a shot to win the shootout to go to the million and the triple 25s with a free entry. And Trey qualified for that, and then he goes on and wins the 65-car shootout to get the the weekend entry, the whole package is done deal. By the way, during last week's podcast, I misidentified Trey. I said that I thought that might have been Thomas Holly. And in my defense, similar cars, small tires. Yeah. What is that, fourth generation Camaros? Yeah. But apologies there to Trey and to Thomas. That was all Trey Boner. Yeah, and so Trey's the tip of the iceberg for his weekend. Yeah, so Trey started out his week pretty well. He's going to the to the, the every race, uh, courtesy of his shootout win. Cost him a hundred bucks. Six high six twenty, low six thirty, small tire door car, just out there getting after it in the cool temps. So then he comes out the very next day on Thursday and gets a runner up in the twenty five K to uh, Hunter Patton, which was honorable mention earlier. And um, Hunter obviously always also made eight cars in the million, so he had a great weekend as well. But but Trey goes gets his weekend taken care of on the Wednesday shootout, comes out Thursday, runners up the 25K. The weekend's made. He's done. I mean, it's, that's a wonderful weekend already. Sure. Follows that up with a quarterfinal finish in the million and not only making the split but getting a, a hefty check to go along with everything else he did. And when he didn't make this much noise, he was still turning on some wind lights. Uh, guy just really making great laps and doing a really good job. So uh, well-deserving of the Seabrook performance who's hot. Yeah, an impressive performance. Like you say, Wednesday, uh, getting that win basically made the rest of the weekend a free roll. And uh, you talk about capitalizing on a free roll. A runner up yes, runner, he did. And then uh, I would assume the biggest windfall of the weekend was getting to eight cars in the million. And doing it all, like you get extra cool points, as you mentioned, doing it all in a 620 small tire Camaro. Very cool. Tip of the cap to Trey Bunner. Trey was who's hot. In contrast to who's hot, we could talk a little bit about our personal weekends, Jed. Yeah. Yeah, we... Uh... Uh, I yeah, <laughs> uh, I was definitely not hot. Had a decent day on Saturday, but um, it's a good day to have a good day. Yeah, it was a good day to have a good day. I bowed out fifth round of Thursday's program. Really thought that things were going well, and I was going to make some noise and come up a little short there. Got a first round exit on Friday with a bad decision at the stripe. Saturday in the million started that out with a bad decision at the stripe and had to go to the re-entry round, but did make it to 32 cars, was three dead eight at 64, so feeling pretty good. Pull around, I'm in the middle of the pack for 32 cars, and don't know who I've got yet. Uh, I wasn't lined up with anybody, and they called me out for the buy with a 003. Well, I know that there's 32 cars remaining, so all that's good for is lane choice, because with the brake roll, even if somebody breaks, you can switch cars, so... Mm-hmm. I know it's going to fall even regardless, and I'm going to have to race somebody. And then they come tell me that uh, Catfish is going to be the last car. He and Mia still doubled in the 440 car, and 
he's going to be the last guy. So I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> tough time to get the buyer on here, you know. That's, you really don't want to sit on the back and get catfish, but it is what it is. Card been going like 75-7, 75-8. It even threw up 75-9, back to back to back. So uh, I was feeling pretty good about the car, but I was afraid I was going to get that round because we were running just a little bit quicker in between rounds. So I was thinking I'm going to get this round where it picks up five or six thou to 330 because everything's good and warmed up. So I'm just going to hope for the best. I'm going to put it on a five, make a time shot, and make him beat me. Put it on a five, made the time shot, and he did beat me. Uh, I was 12, slowed down a couple of thousand to 330 to go 76-0 on my 75 on the rug. He is 007 on the rug, 449-4 on a 448 for 21 total. That's not and much difference. No, he got me by a thou and uh, moved on to a runner-up spot, and I missed the split by one thousandth of a second, so... Sunday about out third round. But when I look back thinking, man, I got to, well, what did we get to where you crushed my hopes and dreams in Vegas? Yeah, I didn't want to drum up old memories there, but like your $2 million race losses of the season don't total two thousandths of a second, do they? <laughs> yeah, I think you got me by 2,000. So I'm oh, thinking, okay. thinking it's three total. Got me out of the split in both races. I think we were at 22 cars in Vegas and 32 in Montgomery. So it was really almost a, just an extra special million dollar experience type year for me, but I come up a little short, but man, I'm uh, super excited about my car and where it's at and driving halfway decent. So I'm going to put my name on that million dollar list one day. It's going to happen, Luke. I like that outlook, Big Jed. I agree. I like it. And I tell you, I want to give special credit to Catfish. Jason Lynch turned that around. He told me a few weeks ago in Bristol, he said, you know what? I'm tired of tired of hearing you talk about how terrible you are on the mic and he said your son's listening to that and he said you need a new attitude and it needs to start right now and by george i turned it around actually that was at huntsville i think several weeks ago and i turned my attitude around and um catfish got me tuned up i'm i'm gonna get it done i'm gonna get something big here soon i may win that 50 at huntsville in a couple of weeks man the optimistic jed coming out i love that's it. him yes sir i'm confident Damn, here he is confident. So tell us about your million-dollar weekend, Luke. Had fun. Drove well in my dragster. And my dragster was awesome, as it always is. My three losses on the weekend were two sub-11 packages. So Ooh. I just ran the wrong guys at the wrong times. I did uh, get one best losing package and was a thousandth away from a second one. So I, I pretty solid throughout. Just nothing yep. much to show for it. The Corvette, on the other hand, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. I did go for 78 in a buggy. Cool. <laughs> and it was really good. And I really, honestly, for the most part, pulled into the lanes pretty good. Like, I didn't run into any buzzsaws. Nobody was sub-10 total beside me. I just kept screwing up. I hit the bump-down button twice all weekend, both in the Corvette. Both turned red. So that was brilliant. Oh. Yeah, I was 20 in the million in it. Had no idea. Just couldn't get anything rolling in it. Jessica... Ran all three races or all four races was the first time that she'd entered the million. So she had a good time. She drove well. I was really proud of her. She held her own against the the sharks. Went three rounds in the million. The million dollar race itself, we uh, we had three entries between the two of us. Three and O first round. So that's money saved is money earned. Three and O second round. So that things are rolling like we surely we get one win light and at least start getting some round money here and get close to you know the big bucks. 
oh for three in round three. So that was a mm. kick in the gut. But uh, it is what it is. We had a good week. Uh, ended up still in when it rained on Sunday. So got a little bit back. And if nothing else, you kind of go out with a better taste in your mouth. The last time that I went down the track in 2017, my wind light did come on. So that's always a good feeling, but that all in is. all, not a, uh, not a positive weekend for the team. But that is par for the course for my million-dollar race experience. I love going, and it kicks my butt just about every time. So. <laughs> well, maybe the Montgomery million does. No. Well, yeah, good point. I don't, know, I don't know if you remember April. You won the million-dollar race. Can't so complain much about Vegas. I don't know if you've lost sight of that. But, uh, I, you know, obviously me being in the door car lanes – what I'm typically calling is the dragsters when I get back up on the mic. And I called uh, quite a few, I think, of yours and, and Jessica's laps, and both of you were driving well. Obviously didn't get the results you wanted, but uh, I think both of you should be at peace with uh, making some really good laps. Yeah, and that's the thing about the million-dollar race. You, you're supposed to drive well, and there's going to be 650-some-odd others that are driving pretty good, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unfortunately. So. What about our picks? Oh, yeah, I was going to breeze by that. Yeah, how'd that work out for My you? My picks, TJ Tracy's picks, good picks, KB, Troy Williams Jr., respectively, went down in flames, just, just basically like I did on the racetrack, did not have a good million. Your pick, on the other hand, did, while he didn't win, your pick, I believe, at least got to the split, so you're, you're definitely one up on TJ and I from last episode. Yeah, my pick, I think Peeps bowed out at 16, I think. So he had two entries in, I think, fourth or fifth round and got one of them down to 16, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, made the split and bowed out right there at 16. So I was feeling pretty good about him. Uh, he would he got crushed by the eventual semifinalist, Bad Brad Plourd. But Peeps represented well. He, he did a good job. Didn't make a very good lap right there at 16. So I uh, got him, got him uh, L on that round, but uh, still – proud at least my pick went the furthest i finally won something against you so that feels good well, good good i'm glad to hear that um, yeah i'm, <laughs> I'm sure the <laughs> quickly just basic results from the weekend before we get into kind of breaking things down as we typically do as we mentioned before wednesday's 64 car shootout winner our siebert performance who's hot recipient trey boner over cody mcdaniel that race actually went down while we were recording last week's episode Thursday's 25 grander saw Trey Boner in yet another final, this time coming up just short against Hunter Patton. That was in the wee hours of the morning. That was, what, 2.30 a.m.? Yeah, Luke, uh, I think the winner circle was at 2.30. Yeah, it was uh, It was very, very late. Then, uh, and by the way, Trey Boner, if you're listening, if he's a listener, uh, he'd come and apologize for it Friday. But Trey was pretty excited, obviously, in the winner circle in his runner-up interview. And he was smoking a victory cigar and. uh he let the smoke out on that victory cigar, and I was downwind from it. And that thing was delicious. I'm not a smoker. I don't really. Yeah, I don't uh, get the victory cigars out and stuff like that. But it was delicious. And uh, Trey, I know you apologize for it Friday in the lanes, but no worries, man. When you wrecked them like you did this weekend, you blow smoke in everybody's face. By all means. Friday's 25 grand. Or uh, this young guy from Indiana and Dorco. You ever heard of him? Westmate. <laughs> No, I don't know anything about him. Wes May took the $25,000 prize over Ron Lane, another guy that is no stranger to the late rounds in the winner's circle. And then the big well, Luke, I, before you go to Saturday, I want to talk about Friday and Ron Lane, what happened there in the semis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron ran at six, holding the bye, and when he got the win, his car broke. 
Broke a lift so, is what he told me. Yep. So he's got the buy at three. And obviously the rule at the million is you can switch cars with the race director's approval. If he says, okay, yeah, it's a, it's a problem you couldn't help and it, your car has failed and can't compete. So he goes and gets his other dragster out. And, and how lucky is that, that you're sitting on the buy and get to make a time shot. That is good so timing. He, yeah. So he got to make a time shot and see what he had to put in the box and what the car run took a shot at West, come up short. West was driving extremely well on Friday's 25 and, uh, but that was pretty cool, and I, I I don't know how you feel about that rule, and you might not be prepared to talk about it right now, but I love it. Yeah, no, I was about to ask you the same thing. I'm on board with it completely as well. I, if For the simple fact that let's say that it's you and me um, going to the final and Big Red breaks something that you can't fix, I would much rather race you in whatever you can find to race than solo down the racetrack. You know sure. what I mean? You still got the advantage. For sure. I mean, you're racing somebody that's probably hopping in a car that, at best, even if it was a car that you had entered earlier in the race, you haven't run in hours. And at worst, maybe a car that you've never sat in before. So, yes, you yeah. you would definitely still have the advantage, but you give somebody a, a chance. I, I don't see any disadvantage to that rule. Yeah, I like it a lot. So, sorry to cut you off and talk about that, but uh, move on to, to the big show. Yeah, as we mentioned earlier, Sunday's race got rained out with 32 cars remaining, so the purse was split evenly among those that were left in. I think it ended up being about $1,700 a piece after it was all said and done, so not a bad payday for everybody that stuck around and gutted it out through, what, four or five rounds on Sunday. But the big show was, again, Saturday's million-dollar race. And um, in case you have been living under a rock for the past three days, uh, the winner was Johnny Ezell from Louisiana defeated racing jason lynch in the final round let's see how memory suits me here your semis were brad plord and tyler sizemore yep can we remember all the quarters or should we stay out of it yeah probably ought to avoid that one i know uh, hunter Patton, obviously ezel lynch Patton, plord sizemore bunner and shoot i can't remember Okay, but, I should have left that alone. I'll do a little bit of research and get those <laughs> names. <laughs> but nonetheless, it was, uh, man, the atmosphere was just, Luke, wow. I mean, uh, obviously the uh, Lucas Oil Race Appreciation Barbecue is going on right about that time where everybody's getting steak dinners. And that was starting to wind down because it, it, it was started getting a little bit late. But there was tons of people up there around the, the water box in the starting line area, not on the line, of course, but in the general area. And it was just a great atmosphere and, and two guys that are, are highly recognized in our sport for, for doing well. And it was a really cool experience. Yeah, it was. It, it is a very neat atmosphere. Yet kind of the crowd almost separates for the cars to pull up into the water it kind of has a, a grudge race streetcar feel to it yeah and it is it's a very cool atmosphere by the way those other quarterfinalists kevin pruitt and you should know the last name jed because you announced a guy named travis and a black dragster uh travis it said travis on the side i think travis was driving we might have to edit this whole portion of the show because <laughs> we don't know anybody's names. This is awful. Okay. So, as we had said before, Johnny Zell has politely turned down our, our interview request. As we mentioned in the opening, Johnny, very quiet, very humble. Whoa. Whoa. Very hot. Johnny's very quiet. very quiet and very humble. That guy called me out <laughs> over a week ago at, at Huntsville. I mean, he could have picked anybody he wanted, but he picked on me. 
He didn't look very quiet and very humble when that happened. <laughs> Johnny, if you're listening, congratulations on your million win. You you kicked the door down, put your name on the list, son. I'm proud of you, but, I mean, very quiet and very humble. You wasn't at Huntsville uh, a little over a week ago. Sorry, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the coolest thing about Johnny's win, and, and this is bad because Johnny's so quiet and so humble. Like, I, I don't want to speak for you, Jed, like, I've been around him a lot. I don't know him that well. Yeah. So I, I'm cautious as to what to say because I don't want to speak out of turn. Obviously, unbelievably talented behind the wheel. And I think like his story, to, to tell it the best that I can, is awesome. Because like a lot of us, like he grew up around the racetrack. I know his, his mom, his dad, now his sister have raced forever. And Johnny seems, at least from what I've been around, like, the dude can do it all. Like, it is my impression, at least, that he's taken the car that he won the million-dollar race in, like, from the tubing rack to the winner circle, and yeah. it's basically all been Johnny and his family. Like, they build the chassis. He paints his own cars. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is my impression, having been around him, having talked to him a little bit, having watched him, that there is nothing that could go wrong on that race car that he can't fix with his two hands and yeah. comes to the racetrack with a, a, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? M moderate rig. I mean, he's got two dragsters and a small trailer behind a three quarter ton truck sleeps on an air mattress in the trailer. Like he is the, the every man racer. He's just more talented than every one of us seemingly you know what i mean yeah oh, no doubt and just to to do what he's done like it's a really cool story it's not the silver spoon or the highly sponsored big money operation like it is your weekly bracket racer made good and to see him win on that level and especially i think we had talked about this on one of the previous podcasts i think when he won the 50 grander at huntsville which is what just a month ago so you talk about a month Yep. Uh, went a 50 and a million. But when we talked about him kind of breaking through there because at race, I know he had told me he had never won a race bigger than $10,000 to win. And he's won a bunch of races $10,000 and smaller to win, like probably more than any oh, yeah. in the course of the last two or three years. But that was his breakthrough. And it seemed on the bigger stage, so to speak, or the bigger money. And it seemed as if up until that point, he had a bunch of near misses. And I know particularly at this race at the million last year, he had two cars in at 30 or whatever, the round before the split, and dropped them both. And you just talk about a kick in the gut again. Yeah. That is it. Like, that's got to be one of the worst feelings imaginable just because of the money difference. So to come back around a year later and get the ultimate prize, like, I think that had to be even more special on his part. Yeah, it was, I'm sure. And um, Johnny's got a fairly large group of friends that he runs around racing with. And uh, there was a lot of love for him after that final round from his personal circle and those that, that were just hanging out watching. So it was great to see Johnny, again, get his name on the list of what is the most highly accomplished racers in our sport by winning a million-dollar race. He deserves to be on that list. And it was great to see. Really cool. Really proud for him. I, I teased a little bit there about him calling me out, but he did it very quietly when he called me out. He was, <laughs> uh, I guess I'll just race Jed. 
<laughs> as quietly <laughs> so, as you can perform yeah, a call so, out. He did it. Hey, the, he's uh, awesome, dude. I wish we could have had him on just because, like, outside of the obvious, like, the biggest question that I wanted to ask him, and I don't, Jed, I don't know if you were really witness to this because I know you were up in the tower and, and yeah. had things going on, calling the action from above. Like, I was standing there with Jess and Gary as part of that mob behind the starting line. And it, it's it's a surreal atmosphere when the cars come through and, like I say, the crowd kind of parts so that they can pull into the water. Like, it's really unlike anything that we've seen in bracket racing. You know what I mean? That type of attention, sure. that close to the action. And Johnny was one, like, you can just look, obviously, at that point at anybody that's left in competition and see the focus, you know? And, and it's amazing, like, having been there to some extent, like... When I watched like the last couple of rounds of the Vegas Million, you know, a month after the fact, there's so much stuff going on that I never realized in the race car. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. just have a way of tuning it out and focusing on the task at hand. But I wanted to ask Johnny, like if there was one question I could ask him, like outside of the obvious and telling us his story and round by round and all that was what was going through his mind? Because the look on that dude is like unlike anything i've ever seen like his whole routine like he literally the the helmet's hanging on the roll cage until he goes to pull in the water and he just kind of flops it down on his head and straps it and is ready and he's sitting there at the ready line with i mean hundreds of people right there you know i mean you're, you're the center of attention and it's almost he's got his head up against the the cage and it almost looks like he's ready to take a nap like he, he just looked <laughs> I, I don't for lack of a better term like like trance like and obviously, everybody's level of focus is different. But for him, like, it, it just seemed like that was the way to tune it all out. And it just looked like he was going for a Saturday drive, flopped the helmet on, rolled in the water, and beat the heck out of somebody. And, and it was just it was really cool to watch. And I'm just curious, from his perspective, like, what's going on inside your head at that moment? Because it just looks like it's just another day, you know? Yeah, and I bet that's what he'd tell you, Luke. Probably uh, is what he'd not, tell you. not much, Luke. It's just another day. Uh, <laughs> when he got to the winner's circle, I, I I had the microphone in my hand, obviously, after he finished getting a little more love in the winner's circle. And the first thing he did is looked at it and said, no speech. Uh, I don't want to do a speech. I said, well, you're going to do a speech. And he didn't really want to talk much about it then. And he probably wouldn't want to talk much about it if you ask him. It's just another day. That's just what he does. The guy goes down the racetrack and makes good laps. and. He don't probably think there's much special about it. It's just what he does. That's it. We text back and forth several times today. I was prodding him to come on with it. And he's like, I'm just not big on bragging on myself or talking about myself. And I'll just let my racing speak for myself. And y'all can say whatever you want about me. So we're, we're saying good stuff. We're, we're, yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're pretty impressed. It's all good. <laughs> Jed, thoughts from the million. There's a couple of things that have been, uh, at least at the forefront of my mind, have been blowing up a little bit, so to speak, on social media. Wanted to uh, get your thoughts, banner back and forth a little bit, maybe create some discussion among our listeners. Number one, the and again, I don't know that you were privy to this from up in the, up in the tower, but the you may have seen some of the, uh, the yeah. videos since. The negotiations late in the rounds. There's a little little fireworks there for for a brief period of time, but just in general, like how public that was. Thoughts? Yeah, um, you know, Luke, as the announcer, one of them, and you're in the tower, and things are starting to cool down. You know, there's going to be some time taken for that discussion to happen. But in the tower, you're wanting, especially an announcer, you you're running out of things to talk about. 
So you're wanting those guys to get back on the racetrack and give you something to really talk about. So we get those delays and we walk back on the balcony there behind the or outside the door in the tower and you see all that going on. I could see it just looked exceptionally weird this year. Maybe because there was a full 16. I don't know what it was, but it, it just looked weird. And I could see some commotion happen here and there. The crowd was way too big around all that information being talked about. So not a big fan. I would prefer, I think, Randy and Jenny maybe can come up with some way of gathering the drivers in a private setting and, and letting them work it out. That's what they want to do. But I think the crowd is a hindrance. Yeah, we're 100% on the same page there. I think there are way too many people involved and way too many bystanders. And at that point in the day, way too much money on the table. And to be completely honest, way too much alcohol in some of the systems of the people that are obviously not involved in the race. Yeah. This would be my suggestion. And keep in mind, I've been in this race 19 times. I got to be part of that conversation once. Like, it's hard to get there, right? And it is yes. a, for most of us, I don't know if life-changing, life it is a significant amount of money you're talking about, even if you lose the first round of the split. You know, it's yeah. more money than most of us will win in a race the rest of the season. Right. And my suggestion, I guess, going forward, and again, I've never seen it, at that level, like you say, it was a different atmosphere. And I don't know if it was because it was a full 16, because of the openness at Mon Montgomery, if it was more the time of day, you know, like it wasn't super late, but it was late enough that the people that lost early had had a few. Whatever the case was, it, it was uncharacteristic. And I remember getting back to, to the one time that I made the split. It was at Memphis years ago, more than 10 years ago. But I, I want to say there was 14 of us left. And George Howard himself walked down from the tower right up in the middle of us and said, all right, I need 14 people come with me right back here, you know, a hundred feet away from everything else. I don't know no more than 14. And he made sure that everybody was represented and we worked out our deal. What I'd like to see, and, it, and it, particularly as long as the race is contested at Montgomery, just because the way things are laid out, I would like to say we have this room in the bottom of the tower yep. and we need one representative for each driver in there, close the doors, let's talk this out. It would go so much smoother, it would be so much easier, and to be completely honest, it's nobody else's business. Yeah. And I hate, hate, hate that there's video of it floating around. Like, I just don't, I, and, and I know that that may sound completely contradictory because of the things that I've said about, like, Facebook Live or the call-outs and, and what we need to do to get more exposure for our sport. Like, to me, that's too far. Like it's outside of like a public official. Like I got no idea what you make at Caterpillar Jed. Don't care. It's none of my business. Sure. I just don't think the amount of money that the winner made, the amount of money that the guys that lost at 16 made, I don't think that's anybody's business except those guys and whoever they want to tell about it. I'm obviously in the tower, got the live feed going on the laptop and I knew what the numbers were because it was posted on the chat board on Motormania's live feed. Right. And that information already gotten to them before the cars ever fired up and come on the racetrack. So, yeah, it probably is a little too public. 
And that's you know, just somebody, a sign of the times. You know, I mean, if it's that in right. that public of a setting, somebody's going to have a phone out with a camera. I just, I would like to see that become more private. And I've never, like, in defense of Randy, Jenny, everybody that's involved with the Million Dollar Race, like, I'd never thought about that until then. And I assume they're the same way. I, I would like to see that changed in the future. Yeah. And, you know, quite honestly, I know pretty much every year what the numbers are by some shape, form, or fashion. And they're very similar every year at that round that you go out. There's, it varies a few thousand dollars at the most. So maybe some people have in mind already what they want to do. Let's make a good proposal, get this thing set, start to finish, especially when they're 16. I think there was a great opportunity for them to do that and move on. Let's do it. Let's come around and race and you get what you get, whatever we decide on. Easy for me to say, but I, <laughs> I think that that proposal would, would go over at that point in the race. So what else on your mind, Luke? Well, I think we have to touch on this as much as I don't much care to because I think it's kind of like the definition of beating a dead horse. But it this is another thing that blew up, I think, on Facebook over the course of the weekend, and that was the the lack of safety equipment, I guess, in several cases that was kind of on display, obviously at the million because there's so many eyes on it. I don't know. Where do we start here, Jed? Let's, let's well, get your take first. Well, you know, I'm... Honestly, I'm a, I'm a guy that has abused safety equipment, a lack of attention to detail by take official track, whatever. I'm a guy that's abused that a lot in my career. Uh, I race in the heat. I race in the heat a lot. There's a lot of times when I don't wear anything close to what I should be wearing for the speed that I run. Here of late, Ever since, uh, I don't know if you know it, but I was at I-57 Drag Strip earlier this year, and uh, I got into the wall. So when that happened, for some reason, that weekend, maybe because it was your race and I felt like it'd be a little more respectful to make sure I was doing the right things, I wore more safety stuff than I typically wear. And I was buckled in there pretty good when I got into the wall, and I thought, wow, I mean, I haven't wrecked in a long, long, long time, and I just so happen to be wearing the things that I need to be wearing for the most part And when I get into the wall. So ever since then, I've been a little more safety conscious and tried to wear those things, but I don't really think, I, I don't really think it matters as much as people want it to matter. What I wear, what you wear, what anybody wears. There's an uproar on social media right now, and I get it because you're a lot of those people probably race at a track that requires you to do the right things, and good for them. They're way smarter than me and a lot of the people I race with because we, we're dumb enough that we're just going to wear what you make us wear, and that's it. But I don't think it matters as much as people want it to matter. Yeah, it's no, me. We're, we're all very much a creature of our upbringing so to speak it, as it applies to racing like if you race at a track that it enforces all that stuff that's what you're used to and it freaks you out to see anybody in anything else if you race at some of the tracks that you and i have come up at yep. like i mean it, this is bad to say but you see someone in full gear and you almost chuckle because nobody does that you yep. know what i mean like it's a, yeah. it's a complete 180 and it's all what you're used to my take and this is similar to what you said and, and where you're going because I'm just, I am every bit, I cannot stand here and get on my high horse and say, well, you, everybody needs to wear everything because just like you, I have been guilty of, I've raced in sweatpants. I've raced in shorts. You know what I mean? I've done all of that. Sure. 
for probably, I would say definitely since I became a father, but more so just getting older. Like I wear all of my stuff, like, I, and I wear more stuff than I'm required to. Like I, I wear a hybrid in the fast cars when I bracket race, when I'm an NHRA race, whatever. I ain't got to wear it, nothing. And I do that because like, there's just, there's people that depend on me. Like I just, I value my life and more so like think about it more so than I did 10, 15 years ago, obviously. And I think that in a lot of ways it's irresponsible, maybe even borderline like reckless not to approach it that way, not to wear all your stuff. But with that said, like it doesn't affect anybody but you. Like if, yeah. Jed, if you and I stage up, I don't care if you're in your underwear. Like what the hell's that got to do with me? Can you see me right now? Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Go so, ahead. <laughs> and the, and I think what's the deeper point here is like, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, I don't feel like it is the racetrack or the promoter or the sanctioning body's fault that Racer X ain't in full gear. Like, we all know the rules, and yep. we all race at our own risk. Like. If you jumped off the roof of the tower at Montgomery Motorsports Park and lived through it, and you want to sue Jim Howard, like, how's that Jim's fault? You jumped off the freaking tower. Yeah. You know what I mean? So everybody makes their own decisions. It really doesn't affect anyone but them. And to hold, like, the racetrack or the establishment responsible seems silly to me now in saying that. I'll follow up a little bit. Like, I, I had a little text conversation with Ed Harney today. You know, Ed is the... Drag Race yep. Lawyer, DragRaceLawyer.com. And I basically asked him that. I'm like, if Driver X does not have the appropriate safety equipment for his speed and Driver X crashes and gets hurt or, God forbid, killed, like, how is, is the racetrack liable for his negligence, basically, is how I would look at it. And his explanation was very simple. He's like, well, if it came to, like, judge and jury, probably not. But it never gets there. The only thing that you need to do to sue somebody is have a lawyer willing to take the case. And yeah. at that point, like the majority of insurance companies don't want to go to the trouble and the expense of like actually going to trial and will settle out of court. So the way that our system works, you get a lot of frivolous. Oh, I, I won't take that out of terms. Like if your loved one gets hurt, then that's not too frivolous, right? Sure. Like, depending on how you're looking at it. But you get uh, the, the way that our system works, it almost encourages that. So the end result, I guess, if there is any feedback to the rest of us from Racer X racing in his underwear, it is that if Racer X races in his underwear, gets himself hurt, sues the racetrack, then insurance rates for everyone go up. So that's a result, I guess, of Racer X's irresponsibility. It's also a result of Racer X not taking responsibility for their own actions after the fact. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess it's all a problem, but in the end, I guess I can see the argument of the people that say, well, that comes back and, and reflects on all of us. But to me, it's just a matter of do what you want to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I never, never really cared what my opponent had on. And Luke, I guess my biggest issue with the uproar and not calling anybody out, but the, the you know, the ones that really are tearing it up on the internet uh, they're going to get in their car their truck and they're going to drive to work tomorrow back home wherever they're going and they're going to text somebody on the way there they're going to text somebody on the way back they're going to get that sausage and egg biscuit and drop some crumbs and look down and try to get those crumbs whatever 
they're doing all those things going down the highway, uh, endangering a lot more people than what we're looking at on a racetrack when you're really not endangering anyone by not wearing your safety equipment. So let's not be hypocritical. I understand that you hate it, you don't like it, but let's pipe down just a little bit because I think we're all guilty of of safety infractions in our everyday life that we should look at probably first and foremost before we worry about if a guy's got on uh, a level five pants. Fair enough. On to greener pastures, Jed. Let's talk about something more fun. We'll get off of the million dollar race. We'll come back maybe just a touch. Uh, I've got some things I want to say in the final thought, but there were, believe it or not, although there was, what was, was the final count on Friday, Jed? 657? Friday was 657, yeah, 614 and 657, Thursday and Friday, respectively. Yeah, we did not stutter. 657 entrants at the 22nd Annual Million Dollar Race, although I thought at times that there could not be another racer in another race car anywhere in the world that was not at Montgomery Motorsports Park. (laughs) There were actually several other big events over the weekend, the biggest being the IHRA Summit Super Series Championship Runoffs in Memphis. The way this deal works is, for those of you that are not aware, track champions from every IHRA track in the on the continent got an opportunity to represent themselves, race for the world championship. In addition to the track champions, I believe every division champion, every bracket finals winner also had a uh, automatic bid. So if everyone showed up, that's anywhere from like what? It's over 100 cars in each class. Obviously, not every track was represented. We got not a lot yeah. of travel there. But it's a big deal. This year, the structure was a little bit different. $20,000 to win in top and modified, I believe, plus a brand new junior dragster to the junior winner along with $3,000 cash. So as it shook down, Big Jed, who are our IHRA Summit Super Series ET champions? And the top category was Tom Gall from South Dakota, which you don't hear a lot of racers from South Dakota, especially in our world. So that was pretty cool to see that championship go back to a state that it probably has the least amount of racers of, of any, if not very close. And uh, he got the win over Jerry Cotton, Cotton uh, out of uh, Indiana. So that settled the top score and modified the bottom bulb was a guy that I will see this weekend at the SFC, Chris Bubba Black from Pennsylvania. He and uh, Matt Botanic come down the same trailer and Bubba Black is a guy that is very well known, especially east of the Mississippi, for turning on wind lights on the bottom. Great to see him get that championship. Very well deserving. Got the win over Travis Loy out of Tennessee, Harriman, Tennessee, that is. So uh, congrats to Travis as well. And in the junior category, Luke Schwimler, got, uh, he's out of Ontario, Canada, got the win over Nick Ferraro out of uh, Fort Lauderdale in Luke, I, I wanted to make mention, I uh, got a, a listener of the show that, uh, did you see, did you hear the story about the strip teaser at, uh, and this is a car name, by the way, if you're just, if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> the strip teaser that was in the split on Sunday? I did. I uh, actually got an opportunity to meet him Sunday morning, come down and introduced himself. A uh, very cool story. Yeah, it's Andy Klosky out of uh, British Columbia. I don't know, 40 plus hours from home. He's in Memphis racing for the world championship. Uh, obviously, his name's not on the list there. Come up a little short at some point. Here's about the million going on five hours farther east. So he makes the trip to run Sunday just to be part of the experience. Yeah, the word uh, that he gave to me was, "What? when am I ever going to have another opportunity to be five hours away from the million-dollar race? Very good point. Right. And uh, he took full advantage of it. 
So he shows up, and we, I see it uh, that morning, Strip Teaser. And I thought, boy, what a cool name for a race car. You know, you don't see enough names on race cars anymore. So uh, during a lunch break, I was over uh, cleaning out the concession stand, and Andy was standing there, and he said, uh, Big Jed, I, I'm Andy Klosky. I, I come from British Columbia. I listen to the show. A uh, fan of your announcing this and that. was super nice. Wanted to just chat a little bit, and we did. He ends up – he's hitting the bottom, by the way <laughs> – he ends up making the split at 32 on Sunday, which I thought was really cool. So congratulations, Andy. Great to meet you. Certainly don't want to take away from Tom Gall, Bubba Black, or Luke Schwimmler there. You guys are the world champions, and congrats to you for winning the Summit Super Series. But Andy's story was pretty dang awesome. Yeah, I yeah. agree. NHRA Lucas Oil Division Series made its way to St. Louis. That's a Gateway International Raceway. We had that, uh, we had that, weren't sure last week on the name of the Gateway, <laughs> which I should know. I, I confirmed that. Gateway International Raceway. Top dragster saw Matt Sackman knock out Danny Nelson in the final round. Mark McDonald got the win in Top Sportsman, continuing another stellar season for the dragsters for sale yeah. team. He defeated my buddy Scotty Haas in the final round with a 6,000th package in the final. McDonald mm-hmm. was super comp, mm-hmm. saw Rock Haas knock off Phil Smita. Super Gas, Jeff Webb over Rodney Benson. Super Street, David Ray defeated Brian Horton. Super Stock, Tyler Kahili over Mike Stokes. And a feel-good story in Stock Eliminators. The final round was a little father-son matchup. It was Brett Spear getting the victory over Papa Russ in that uh, Stock Eliminator final. Next week, probably, we'll dive a little bit deeper into the NHRA points chases and break down what has to happen here as as the season comes to a close. I know we've got a divisional event in Rockingham this weekend, and then uh, the last three weeks of the season, Vegas, Vegas, Pomona. So everything's going to come to a head. And uh, I know a show where we're not uh, dedicating an hour of it to the million-dollar race. We'll dig a little bit more into that. Yeah, there's a decal on the line, too, uh, that's, you know, this this points championship wrapping up. So we still haven't gotten very good suggestions on the size decal and, and how that should be handled. So if you listen to a couple of shows back, you know, Luke and I agreed to whoever won that the most uh, points in, the, in our picks for the NHRA champions, the loser has to um, run the decal. Uh, with the other's name on it. Uh, what do we say that it's going to be? Well, we didn't really decide what was going to be on it just yet. We're still waiting on those suggestions, weren't we? Or is yeah, it? Yeah, I th- and I think we uh, we just did decide it was going to be like a four by eight banner size all the way down the side, a big red. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't think we decided that. No, we did. <laughs> but you know, I'm going to be wearing a decal that says "Luke is my daddy" or something to that. Uh, effect or I got beat by Luke or whatever so y'all go light on me but let's get some more suggestions on the size and what needs to be on that yeah for as as uh, funny as Jed is and as much as I like to talk uh, we're not very creative people so we do need some input there we need some good ideas we need some fun stuff (laughs) yeah so Luke on the bracket side uh, had the 46th annual now that's pretty dang cool cow pasture nationals Ardmore Dragway, the cow patties. I have, have you ever entered a cow pasture nationals, Big Jed? No, I've entered a cow pasture, but not the cow pasture nationals. I have entered the cow pasture nationals. Now, I, on one of our previous episodes, I talked about what things used to be like at Ardmore Dragway. Like, uh, it was, uh, it was, a. It, I assume it still is. It's country racetrack, but I know that, uh, the Carols have taken over and really spruced that place up. But quite literally, the first time that I went to Ardmore was for the Cow Pasture Nationals, and I am not making this up. 
we stopped the race at about mm, three o'clock in the afternoon. I, I think I was in the water box and I said, what's going on? And they just looked at me like I was crazy. Well, they had the herd, the cows from the left side of the racetrack to the right side of the racetrack across the <laughs> shutdown area. I'm not, I couldn't make this up. It's not just a clever name. It is the cow pasture nationals. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. yeah. And they're 46 went at that. So that, that's great to see an event running that long Friday in Brodick Super Pro competition. Scott Wallace got the win with a really nice lap. Left perfect dead nine. Got the win over Lonnie Sears. Lonnie lit it a little bit red. And then the Universal Roofing No Electronics Cat class, Robbie Martin took the win over runner-up Tim Coach Ray. And uh, Saturday's program, Luke saw the winner in uh, Super Pro be Bradley Thompson. Red a nice lap. Bradley Thompson. Another lap, good lap there for Bradley. Got the runner-up, or the runner-up spot was Dane Ward. And in no electronics, Dirk Mount, which uh, Dirk Mount would be a top 10 name for me. I don't know. I just like it. It sounds a lot like Dirk Mount. So anything that rhymes with dirt, I like. And runner-up was Kim Brown in the no electronics category. Sunday wrapped up with the Super Pro winner being Chris Gassaway. Got the win over Chris Harrelson. And the no electronics category on Sunday saw Sambo Tyra get the win over Sammy Mathis and uh, Sambo and a Sammy in the final in any class in 2017 probably may never happen again from this day forward. Both people being named Sam of some sort. So I like it. Congratulations to Sambo and Sammy. Sambo, Sammy, and Dirk Mount. Good stuff from the cow patties. Love it. Jed, uh, let's pay some bills. When we come back, we will preview your Southern Footbreak Challenge coming to Holly Springs uh, this coming up weekend. And we'll close things out with a final thought. Again, we apologize. You guys have to listen to us for an hour plus. No guests this week. But uh, as per usual, we got a lot to talk about. Racing RVs is heavily involved in sportsman drag racing. They headline the NHRA Top Dragster and Top Sportsman Series. They sponsor all of the SFG Promotions events, including the World Series of Bracket Racing, the Super Bowl of Bracket Racing, and the Powerball event. Racing RV sponsors racers including Austin Williams, Disco Dean Carnes, and our own Luke Bogacki. And they present this podcast that you're listening to. In short, Racing RVs is invested in sportsman drag racing. So when the time comes for you to make an investment in your own RV or trailer, we encourage you to support the company that supports sportsman drag racing. That's Racing RVs. They do it all, folks. New coaches, used units, financing, trade-ins, consignments, you name it, they can take care of you. Be sure to visit them online at RacingRVs.com. In addition to Racing RVs, this week's podcast is presented in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. And I know seemingly every week I tell you guys a little bit about This Is Bracket Racing Elite on the show. Today I actually wanted to use some words from one of our members. I got a really nice letter in the mail, was waiting on me when I came home from the Million Dollar Race, from a member who will remain non anonymous. But one excerpt that I'll read to you from it, again this is words from one of our members, says, quote, after racing for about 12 years before joining Elite, 
I didn't really know how much I didn't understand about the in-depth aspects of bracket racing, and myself for that matter. In joining Elite, my flaws came to the surface really quick. I had a lack of confidence, discipline, aggression, and practice, and most of these issues would have never appeared to me if it weren't for Elite. Again, that's from one of our elite members that is very happy with the program, feels like he has benefited from it, has had an awesome year on the racetrack. If you are involved in racing on any level and have a desire to get better and are willing to put in the work, I think we can help you too. If you want to reach and expand your potential on the racetrack, This Is Bracket Racing Elite can help. Check us out at thisisbracketracing.com. All right, Big Jed, as we talked about earlier, you are going from one big weekend to another. Uh, after the, being the voice of the Million Dollar Race, you guys head to Holly Springs this weekend for the Southern Footbreak Challenge. This the I don't even see it on the flyer, Jed. This is the fourth annual? It's the fifth. Fifth it annual is. Southern Footbreak Challenge. Would you take a few minutes and uh, tell our listeners who may be on the fence a little bit about the race and why they need to uh, come join you guys in Mississippi this weekend? Yeah, I mean, if you like foot brake racing, you know, uh, Steve uh, Stites, my partner, and I feel like we put on a pretty good foot brake race. You know, we do the World Foot Brake Challenge, and now this is the fifth BT Southern Foot Brake Challenge. Yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. We're all friends here. You can tell me the best <laughs> damn foot brake promoters in the world. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great race at a great place, which I like to say. Holly Springs, really nice. It's all asphalt parking. Got some electricity. You know, good concessions, uh, showers. It's a good place to go have a race, especially a, a southern-style atmosphere uh, foot brake race. So it's uh, $10,000 a day, Luke, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The purse is 100% guaranteed. Second round winners get paid. We have a fish fry that's going to happen Friday night, thanks to West May and May Race Carbs for helping us with that. We've got a live feed on Motormania TV, environmental oil recovery, which is Troy Morgan and uh, Shad Blakely, Snake Power. Uh, those guys helping us out, bring the live feed to folks. So you can watch it online if you can't be there. But action is going to start Thursday about 2 p.m. with a test in tune. We'll have a 2,000 to win guaranteed purse gamblers race, paying second round winners and beyond at uh, 6 p.m. Thursday. And then Friday we'll start rolling into the 10 granders. Now, Luke, uh, for those that will hear this tomorrow, they're probably going to look at the weather forecast. And they're going to see that it's going to be chilly in Holly Springs this weekend. We get that, but it's not a frozen ground type thing. It's gonna you're gonna get a little rain Friday night, going to cool off to right around 50 degrees Saturday and Sunday. But the crowd is going to be so that it's very manageable, and we'll be able to get the racing in. We're going to pay thirty thousand dollars to the winners, guaranteed, in this foot brake race. So if you like to foot brake and you got uh, just a medium sized jacket. Come see us. You'll enjoy yourself a lot at Holly Springs this weekend. Yeah, Jed, I, as I can attest to, I have been to Holly Springs when the ground was froze. They used to have a Thanksgiving race, and that facility and that staff will do an awesome job. That racetrack will not be an issue. Like you say, you may have to have a yeah. jacket to keep warm, but uh, you guys will have some great racing action down there without question. Yeah, we will. And Luke, we got Halloween. Um, you, you guys got to experience that last year when you came. We've got Halloween Saturday night for the kids. Bring your costumes, bring some candy. We're going to get together about the time it gets dark and, and get those activities wrapped up so we're not out there too cool and too cold for the kids, but want to have something special for them. So bring the kids, have a good time. 
It's going to be 50 degrees. Lows are going to be upper 30s, but there still will be ice cream for the buybacks. If you're tough, get you some ice cream, eat it in that cold weather, and show everybody how tough you are. I just love the thought process behind that. I asked you, Vent, ice cream for the buybacks? This was probably six years ago, and your response was? Well, like Bones says, you can't be mad while eating ice cream. That's it. It's, and it's, I think he's, he's still right to this day. I think it's a great theory for life. <laughs> well, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about the race, Luke. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is going to be a little chilly. Just get you a decent-sized, little medium-sized jacket. Come race with us. It's going to be an awesome time, and a lot of money will be paid out to some foot racers this week. Yeah, absolutely. Jed, as we like to do occasionally, or I like to do, you haven't really weighed in with a final thought yet. Feel free to use this forum for your final thought, Big Jed. But I, you just do it so well. <laughs> well, I'd rather you do it. That you know, you and my mom—that's two people that have told me that. I appreciate that. <laughs> my mother is an avid listener. Bless her heart. <laughs> this week, there's just something been gnawing at me a little bit, and and I'll close the show with it. This week's final thought is this: We all say that we root for the underdog, right? But at sure. what point? Is the underdog no longer the underdog? My point is this. When the little-known racer who works hard and races harder and succeeds with his low-dollar operation, right? We love that guy. And we'd take him any day of the week over the quote-unquote pro with the high-end car and the multi-car team and the corporate sponsorship, right? I mean, that's, that's the way that we all like to look at things. And we root for that underdog. Right up until they win too much. And <laughs> if you're listening to this show and you were paying attention to the million, this probably comes as no surprise. Obviously, I'm talking about this seemingly ongoing dialogue that is seems to be pinpointing West May and John Ezo. Like they win too much, they gotta be up to something. And in saying that, I don't want to single those guys out just because it could be anybody. You know what I mean? It doesn't really have any... I wanted to reference the fact that that's who everybody's talking about because that's who everybody's talking about. But I want to yeah. talk about this on a, on a little bit wider level. Like, I'm not going to defend those guys as individuals because quite honestly, like, I've been around them. I have a ton of respect for them both. I like them both. I don't know either one of them that well, all right? I'm not that close to them. But so, like, if you're asking my opinion, like, are those guys cheating? I, no, I think not. But that's neither here nor there. That's not the point of what I want to say. I don't know. We talked about this when Cody Harger was on with us. I don't know how you would cheat in this day and age, quote unquote cheat, and have like a real advantage. Maybe I'm naive. And I said that on that show. Like to me, it's not that difficult to go out there and go dead on all day long. Like there's a lot of cars and a lot of people that do that. So if you were going to cheat and actually have an advantage, like I ain't real sure how to do it. And I don't think most of you listening would be either. So if I wanted to cheat, like, I guess I I don't know where to start. I don't know. What I do know is how much work, dedication, preparation, thought, time goes into being successful at any level. And I also know what it feels like to put in that effort to become successful, and then to be accused. Often, funny how it works, often by the same people who once rooted you on as the quote-unquote underdog. As it Mm -hmm. pertains to Wes and Johnny specifically, like 
we talked about Johnny earlier, they seem to do everything their own way. Like no sponsors, no major sponsors at least, no car owners, they're in their own stuff, no mechanics, like them and their family, like they're one-man show, so to speak. Mm -hmm. That part we like. The only problem is that when they win more than their share, like that part we don't like. It's funny how success, and let's be honest, how jealousy can skew our perspective. And I think, again, not to single out those two guys, I just feel like that's they had success again this weekend, and that's the buzz. But the way that they go about it, you know, their way, as we say, that we say we would celebrate, their way is different. Like, Wes has probably got the most dominant back half door car in the history of bracket racing. And like 10 years ago, if you said anybody would win half of what he's won in a car like that, we'd all laughed at you because we all thought you got to have a dragster. Right. And Johnny is in a home-built dragster. And I don't want to diminish their company. It's easy chassis, right? They, they build and sell cars. It's not like he just sat back in the garage and stick welded something together and racing it, right? I mean, it's a, it's a quality car, but it is something that he built himself, or he and his father built himself. One of the cars he drives is a solid car, if I'm not mistaken. Like, you don't see many of those anymore. And in a day and age where most of us, myself included, say, look, my equipment's way better than I am in an eighth mile bracket race. And the days of holding like three, four, five, six seem to be gone. That a lot of times is what Johnny Zell does and succeeds. Like he does it in a different way than the norm. But rather than celebrate the things that these guys do differently, some, and I know that what I'm talking about here is probably a vocal minority, but some would rather question what they're doing. Okay, they do. They, the, both of those guys and most of the people that win, they do things a little bit differently. You know who else did things differently? Scotty Richardson, Peter Biondo, mm-hmm. Dan Fletcher. Before their time, Don Young, George Rupert, John LaBouche Sr. And I, growing up, growing up, coming up, I, I watched a lot of those guys that we just talked about do things that I didn't understand. And... Sometimes I watch them do it once. Sometimes I watch them do it a dozen times before I kind of put it together. And But once I understood, like once that light bulb went off, I often tried to implement their ideas myself to incorporate those into my own racing. And like I didn't ever figure out how to win on my own. I watched. I learned. I modeled. And that's an ongoing process. My point is this. If you don't understand everything that the winners do, and I don't always understand everything that the winners do, it means one of two things. Either it's possible, I guess, they're in the wrong. And that would explain why we can't understand what's going on. The other option is that they're doing something that there's nothing wrong with, and we can't understand it. That doesn't mean that they're wrong. It means we're ignorant. Just because you can't wrap your head around what you're seeing don't mean that it's wrong. So if you think Racer X is doing something against the rules, if you come to me with a why, a what, a how, here's what they're doing. Here's how I think they're doing it. Okay, that's one thing. But I don't hear that. What I hear is people coming to me with Racer X is cheating because he's better than me and I don't want to admit it. And when you come to me with that, just get out of my face. All right? Let's give some credit where credit's due. Guys that are winning, things are falling into place for them, and they're really talented, and they work really hard. End of story. Very well said, Luke. I don't think there's much I could add to that. I I couldn't agree with you more, and 
Uh, you know, I've heard these same things about Gary May. I've heard them about Roy St. Dennis. I've heard about a lot of guys. But now all of a sudden, they're not the hottest drivers, so I guess they quit cheating and passed those cheating torches on to, to Johnny and, and Wes. So uh, I don't think anybody's doing anything wrong, especially not on the level these guys race at. And if you do, prove it. Don't talk it. Walk it. Like you said, come with some facts and what you think's going on. But uh, I think they go about it. The way they go about it, there's, I mean, you're not going to hold four, five, six if you're trying to cheat everybody. And you're not going to have stripe taker and nitrous if you're trying to cheat everybody. So the guys are just dang good racers and they're getting it done and deserve everything that's coming their way. Good way to close episode 49. That'll wrap it up. Thanks, as always, to our sponsors. This is Bracket Racing Elite, Seabird Performance Racing RVs. Thanks to uh, Johnny Zell for considering coming on the Sportsman <laughs> Podcast with us. Thank you for listening to us, Gas Bag, for the last hour plus. We'll bring somebody on next week, break this up a little bit, and I'm sure it'll be a little bit more entertaining than we are. Thanks, as always, to PJ North. Thanks to Mark Romeo for his help. If you've got ideas for the show, you can send a message to Mark directly or obviously message us on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. As you should become accustomed to now, if you are listening every week, you know that uh, come heck or high water, we are recording the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast and bringing it to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. We should be back on our normal schedule now. Racing, at least on my end, has died down. I think, Jed, after uh, Holly Springs this weekend, you have a whole, whole lot going on. So we should be recording on Tuesday nights and uh, have these available Wednesday around noontime for the remainder of 2017. Did you just take my read, bro? I did. I read the red part. Can you read <laughs> yeah. the red part for me, Jed? You don't read the red, Luke. You Solid. read the blue. Dang it. <laughs> All right, guys, be sure sure to go subscribe to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Hit the subscribe button. Find us. Look us up as the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. And hit the subscribe button. And it'll give you the purple app, and you'll get the red number. lets you know there's a show on that's uh, ready for you to listen to. And That's you why get to I listen took your read, Jed. I just love the purple app with the red number. I can't do that like you do. Yeah, well, whatever. So <laughs> be sure to, guys, tell your friends. The show's growing, and we know that's because you're telling your friends and getting people involved, and we appreciate everybody doing that and spreading a good word. And try to get your track involved. We've got a couple of tracks out there that are playing the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast during downtime. So uh, be sure to uh, try to get your track involved. And if you do, let us know about it because we want to give them a shout-out here on the show. And last but not least, uh, be sure to join our Facebook community. That's the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast right there on Facebook. Touch base with us there or reach out to us on Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I, and I am at JP11X. And uh, make sure to shoot some uh, stuff our way. We love the interaction on uh, on social media. So, Luke, that's wrapping us up. I'm going to get everything ready tomorrow and head to Holly Springs. Hope to see a bunch of footbreakers there. Sounds good, my friend. Good luck this weekend. And as a side note, SIU basketball, first exhibition game less than two weeks away. Oh, I can't wait. Go dogs! <laughs> Have a good one, guys. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Pennington. I was in my truck just to try my luck. Sabre performance, who's hot?
Siebert Performance is now offering engine and carburetor packages. This week's featured package is the Sportsman Series 383. It's a 500 horsepower pump gas, ready small block. Nah. Pump nah. gas and ready. Pump, pump gas, gas and ready. It's a ready small block. <laughs> Siebert Performance, who's hot? Siebert Performance is now offering engine and carburetor packages. This week's featured package is the Sportsman Series 383. It's a 500 horsepower pump gas ready small block built with reliability and longevity in mind. It's got a new GM block, Brodix heads, MSD billet distributor, and optional Siebert Performance carburetor. Highlight just some of the features. You know what? Knocking this out of the park, big guy. I tell you what, I got to turn my phone because the way I have it, it's, you know, it, the lines, the the lines are really short because I'm having it like standard form. Yeah. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.